Good morning and happy Mother's Day out there to all the mothers and the great women who are part of our uh, church family. Thank you so much for the ways that you show us Jesus, uh, the ways that you encourage us, the ways that you push us uh, to follow him. We're so thankful that you're a part of our community and uh, we just affirm God's work in you and God's heart uh, for you. We hope that today's good news speaks to you particularly uh, and to all of us as we continue to look at Jesus's presence among his people this morning. Today we're going to pick up right where we left off last week in John 21, uh, starting in verse 15. If you remember, Jesus had just called his disciples in after a large catch, and he's made a fire and invited them to a meal uh, with himself. And this is where the story goes next. Uh, in verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Friends, our good news today is that Jesus knows all things. You don't need to prove yourself to him in order to belong, and you don't need to fear his rejection when you've messed up. Instead, you can sit with him knowing that all he asks is for you to affirm your love for him again so that he can glorify himself in you as you lay down your life for the people he's calling you to love. The question is not, how do we prove ourselves with Jesus, but rather, who is Jesus calling you to feed? I think all of us have this impulse to try to prove ourselves, uh, in particular to try to prove that we belong uh, with God or in a community or prove that we belong in our family or to ourselves. And many of us, we don't have an answer to that question, and so it drives us to act in certain ways. And we feed our impulse to, to try to belong um, by elevating sometimes the things that are good in us in contrast to other people. Whether it's in parenting or at work uh, or in our homes or in our neighborhoods, all of us have this comparison bug. We look out at other people and we wonder, do I match up with them? Do I belong here? And one of the things that I'm noticing that everyone that I know uh, has been brought to a moment dur sometime during this crisis where the thing that they've used as a measuring stick for proof that they belong has just been snapped in two. 
for some people is trying to keep a clean home and now that you're living in it 24 seven, um, maybe you're working from home and homeschooling the kids at the same time and the laundry's piling up and the weeds are growing and you're looking around your house and you're going, the thing that I typically use to, to ensure myself that I'm okay is now feeling like it's against me. Um, for me, I, I tend to, to measure my, uh, myself by what I accomplish. And just uh, with, with the, the time that I'm spending with my kids, uh, making sure that they're learning and, and, and that they're fed and clothed and brushing their teeth and all these things, um, I feel like I've, I haven't made any progress in life. And so the way that I typically elevate myself is through what I accomplish. And that, for in, in large part, has been removed. And so when I look at the accomplishments of others, particularly through social media and around the neighborhood, it makes me feel like a, like a, a failure by comparison. And all of us do this. We do this as parents, we do this with our humor, we do this in our jobs, as I said. We do this through, through trying to be the most loyal friend to others. And in a way, we're all a little bit like Peter. Peter was that guy in the group who always needed to stand out from the crowd, to elevate himself, to, to sell his attributes. And I believe that that's one of the primary reasons that Peter was always the first to speak up, even when he hadn't fully thought through what he was about to say. The reason was because he trusted, he, he didn't trust that he belonged with Jesus. That, that in order to belong with Jesus, he needed to be exceptional. He needed to be the most loyal, the most faithful, the most insightful, the person with the most leadership capabilities. And on the outside, it looked like Peter was the most loyal. It looked like he was the greatest disciple. It looked like he was the rock. But the reality was that he wasn't being the rock for Jesus' sake. He was being the rock so that he could elevate his own position to prove to Jesus, to himself, that he belonged. It turned out that the most secure person, seemingly, in the group was really the most fragile and that's why he needed to be better than all the others. And that impulse, it seemed to serve Peter well until the week that Jesus was crucified. And Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times. But Peter w was so uh, kind of clinging to his own need for proof that he was on Jesus' good side, that he could be relied upon, that he couldn't admit to himself that his devotion to Jesus was just as fragile as the other disciples. And so he refused to believe, and he even doubled down on his, his own confidence in himself. I'll go, to the, I'll go to death for you, Jesus. See, that's the bad news, is that if we believe that God accepts those who elevate themselves, if God helps those who help themselves, if that's the, the story of what we believe that God is like, then the worst thing that we could do is to admit that we're failures and that we're fragile. And what happens to Peter, what happens to us typically, is that it takes a breaking point to bring us to reality. 
And that's exactly what happened for Peter. And interestingly enough, it happened around a charcoal fire, John says, where he's asked three times if he knows Jesus, and three times Peter denies that he's ever known Jesus, let alone been one of his closest allies. That charcoal fire became a campfire of shame, where Peter was shown the fragility of his own heart. Now, lo and behold, in John 21, at the very next campfire we see in John's gospel is the one Jesus and Peter are now sitting around. And it's as if Jesus is intentionally set the stage for Peter to call his own exceptionalism into question. And if that weren't enough, the, the, the leading question that Jesus asked Peter is, Peter, do you still think that you love me more than these? Who are these? They're the other disciples that Peter's always been comparing himself to. And, he's, and Jesus is asking him, do you, do you still con- consider yourself superior as you did prior to the way that you fell? See, Jesus is inviting Peter, just as he's inviting us to rediscover that our belonging with him is not based on what we have to offer Jesus, but on what he has to offer us. That if you believe the bad news that you have to be good in order to be with Jesus, the result is going to be that you won't join Jesus around the fire of what's most broken in your heart. But if you believe the good news that you're accepted because you're broken, that you're, you're welcomed and that you belong because you're in need, then you can join Jesus around that fire. It's not the fire of shame. It's the fire of love and acceptance and welcome as a friend. See, Peter now knows that that he doesn't need to prove himself anymore to Jesus. He doesn't need to stand out in the crowd. And that's why when, when Jesus asks if he loves him, Peter refuses to compare himself to the others. Again and, he, and again and again, Peter appeals to the fact that Jesus knows his heart. He says, Lord, you know I love you. You know. You see what's in my heart. You see all I have to offer you is the love that I have for you. Imperfect, fragile, broken as it is, fickle as my heart is, you know what's in there. You know what I have to offer you. And I don't have any more and I don't have any less. And Jesus is affirming for Peter as he's affirming for us. And he's saying, that's all I've ever been after. You don't need to compare in order to belong. Friends, the good news is that Jesus knows all things. We don't need to prove ourselves to him to belong, and we don't need to fear his rejection when we've messed up. Instead, we can sit with him knowing that all he asks of us is that we would affirm our love for him again so that he can glorify himself in us as we lay down our lives for the people that we love. The question with Jesus is not how do we prove ourselves, but who is he calling us to feed? This is such an odd exchange because it seems like Peter and Jesus are having a different conversation with each other. You know, there's been so many times over Zoom 
and and phone calls where you're having like two different conversations uh, at with the same person at the same time, and you kind of keep talking over each other, and you're not sure which train of thought to follow. And it almost seems like that's happening for Peter and Jesus, because Peter keeps saying, I love you. And you would expect Jesus to, to answer kind of in the same vein of thinking, to, to say something like, I love you too, Peter, or I forgive you, Peter. But he keeps saying in response to Peter's affirmation of love, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Why would he do that? I think what Jesus is saying is, is to Peter, look, Peter, now that this question of whether you belong has been answered, you now have the ability to go and feed others with my presence so that they might belong with me too. Now that you're not so busy elevating yourself, you can get to the real work of elevating the people that I'm sending you to. See, when you're constantly trying to prove yourself, then other people aren't sheep to be fed, they're competition to be bested. And Jesus is going, that's not what my kingdom is about. My kingdom is for those who have found belonging to welcome and tend to those who need to belong. And that's, I think, why we get this cryptic allusion to Peter's death at the very end where Jesus says that he'll stretch out his hand, that he won't be able to clothe himself, so he'll be led where he doesn't want to go. And he says all these things are, are an indication of the kind of death that Peter's going to die. It's a martyr's death. It's a death under persecution for the fact that he has been loyal to Jesus, that he's laying down his life. It's like, it's as if Jesus is saying, ultimately, Peter, you're going to lay down your life for your friends, just as I've laid down my life for you. And this is what it means to live a life that glorifies God. To glorify, to, to have glory is always connected with God's presence. And, and, and what Jesus is saying is, to refuse to elevate yourself above others, but rather in love to lift others up, even at great cost to yourself. That's what it looks like to bring my presence into the lives of other people. See, it's, it's easy to see this passage as, as like a leadership passage, this insider training for like elite Christians. And maybe we don't think in re, sort of reading this for the first time that that it applies to us, but it's important to see that what Jesus is doing is that Jesus the shepherd is here making Peter the sheep into a shepherd like him. And this is what Jesus does with our love for him. This is how Jesus glorifies himself in the world. He turns us to care for sheep until they too become shepherds. Later on in, in John's uh, letter to the church, he writes this in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And that's what makes this good news for us all. Jesus knows all things. That's good news. And so we don't need to prove ourselves 
that we belong and we don't need to fear Jesus' rejection if we've messed up. Instead, we can sit with him knowing that all he asks of you is to affirm your love for him again because he wants to glorify himself in you as you lay down your life for the people that you love. The question is not how do we prove ourselves, but rather who is Jesus calling you to feed? As we respond this morning to the good news, I just have you ask yourself a few questions with Jesus present. The first is, how have you been trying to prove yourself to Jesus or yourself? How are you trying to stand out? How are you trying to elevate your case that you're worthy of belonging to him? And maybe this time of of lockdown and quarantine or sickness has been frustrating your efforts. Don't turn away from those things. But let the campfire of belonging illuminate them. Let Jesus' love and his light shine on those areas of your heart so that you would see that those things, even if you fail, don't, don't, don't cast you from his presence. In fact, Jesus wants to bring his healing, bring his love, bring his restoration and redemption to those areas of your heart if you'll let him. The second question is, who is Jesus calling you to feed and to tend to? Another way to think of it is, who is currently sitting around a campfire of shame and needs to be invited to the campfire of Jesus' presence? Maybe it's a friend that you need to give a text message or a phone call to. Maybe it's sitting down with your kids today and confessing your anger to them and saying, look, I haven't been very good at feeding you spiritually, emotionally, because I've been wrapped up in in the shame that I don't belong with God because I've been allowing this whole situation to to really uh, stoke my anger. I'm angry at him. But he wants me to know and he wants you to know that he's here with us. Maybe we can use this time to pray to him now. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that Jesus knows all things. He knows your heart. He wants your love. And he's ready to partner with you to bring his glorious presence into the hearts of people who think that they need to prove themselves, who think that they've blown it, but who are welcome around Jesus' fire of love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you're among us, that our need, our instinct to try to prove our love for you, to prove our loyalty to you, to prove our goodness to ourselves, that all those things that we've clinged to, to try to gain belonging, actually exclude us from experiencing your grace and your mercy and your love. All those things do is lead us to a campfire of shame. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've called us away from that campfire. You knew that we would run there. You knew what would happen in our hearts when we did. You 
you even prepared Peter in advance that it was going to happen so that he would know that there is another campfire ready for him to enjoy. Jesus, we want that same fire of your loving presence, your glory in us. Jesus, we want to be people who are not out to elevate ourselves, but are out to lay down our lives so that we could elevate others that need this sense of belonging and love too. God, give us eyes to see who those people are today. Holy Spirit, empower us and partner with us so that as you bring the catch of fish in, we might be able to, to communicate your presence to them and feed them with your love. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.